Good morning. Uh, our scripture this morning is Galatians 5, 19 through 25. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgy, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for giving us the Holy Spirit to live in us. And Holy Spirit, thank you with all our hearts for when we read your word, you open our minds and feed our souls. We pray that you would just fill uh, Thomas this morning, speak through him, and please give us open and willing hearts to hear you and do whatever it is that you tell us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for that wonderful reading. Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for that lovely reading. So uh, as you can tell, I'm not Grant. Um, he is taking a wonderful, uh, deserved break. He hasn't had one in, I don't know, I think from the last time I spoke, so however long that's been. Um, and uh, I'm one of the shepherds here at Lighthouse, and I'm excited to share a little bit about what God's put on my heart. So uh, I'm naturally an academic, uh, meaning I like getting into the details and historical data and theological definitions. And by the way, I think this mic's still on. Nope, oh, thank, thank you so much. That was gonna drive me crazy because I'm an academic and therefore crazy. Um, but I love digging into lots of the details and such, um, but also Grant is an academic, which means that that's what you get every week already. So I figured um, we could do with a break something a little bit less uh, into the weeds, maybe a little bit more surface level. I know I, I should do that just because otherwise I'll lose myself. And then uh, two, I'm as introverted as they come, meaning um, I'm sure if you have ever had a conversation with me out, out there somewhere in the courtyard, you probably think I'm incredibly rude or very boring, which is very true. I'm both of those things, but it's, it's, it's be I'm trying my absolute best. I really do want to make personal connections so even though it's not the most natural thing for me to do, so um, to accomplish both goals, uh, I figured I'll just share some really vulnerable personal stories from up here instead of waiting till a personal conversation. Um, so from my life, and I'll connect them all with kind of one general point, not a whole lot of nuance. So if you find fault with my theology, I assure you it's because 
that's because I'm not speaking for an hour and a half or whatever. I'll just, nice big one point for y'all. So if that sounds good to you, I'll start off with a, a story from my life. So this is a, I'm entering, I believe, seventh grade. Might have been sixth grade. Um, but you might not be able to tell based on my current imposing physique, but I think at that time I was like 50 pounds. Like for a seventh grader, I was like the wind would just lift me off my feet. Um, not just a late bloomer, like a never bloomer, uh, same thing. And also my personality, same thing back then as it is today. So despite desiring in junior high to be cool, I was not. Um, and since then the nerds have won, which has been nice. Uh, I, now, now I can play board games and like, like Star Trek um, publicly without being ridiculed. But at the time I, had, I was like a closeted nerd, so I uh, couldn't come out yet. And uh, now we, at, we had a summer camp at Lake Nascimento and we had uh, we'd rented out this community center and some families had, is that me? That's probably me. Um, some families had volunteered to take kids out on the lake who had some boats and it, it was an exciting, wonderful time for junior hires. Um, but after lunch one day, to my surprise, I was invited to go out with the eighth graders on like their boat crew. And if you don't remember junior high, like the, the social strata between like seventh graders and eighth graders is like insane. Like, like they're different camps, right? Um, and so to me, it was like my opportunity to finally like enter the ranks of society, be with the cool kids. And, uh, and so whatever cool group of people, elite society you wish you were part of, that was it, it for me. And I'm thrilled. So I get on the boat, I take the back right seat. Um, I'm really hoping they think I'm like the silent strong type because I'm too scared to say anything out loud. So I'm just sitting there like just hanging. And uh, I had made a tragic mis miscalculation though. Um, again, seventh grader. At lunch, I didn't say no to a single can of, of soda. I was just like, my parents weren't there to stop me, so I'm just down in like Coke and whatever. And uh, all this liquid is going through my system fast. And uh, the way the system on the boat worked is that each student got a turn being towed by the boat, and after you fell three times, then it was the next kid's turn. Um, I was next in line at this point in time when I'm starting to feel the pressure, and so I'm like, I can hold it, I'm good. No, no, no need to panic, totally awesome. Because all I wanted was to, it to be my turn, I could discreetly relieve myself in the lake, uh, do some water skiing, impress those eighth graders, and then it was like, now I'm part of the crew. Um, so the student out there, they fall once, I'm like, good, they're awful, I'm in good hands. They fall twice, I'm like, even better, I'm a, I'm, my comeuppance is, is about to be here, and then they're still going. It's just like, I, I, what I felt like were hours going by, they're just like, just going, right? And, uh, and so naturally, as this pressure is building, I start praying, right? I'm just like, God, uh, make this kid fall. Like, make it happen for me. Please, come through. I, I'm like in this like bargaining stage of grief, right? I'm just like, can, can God, like, I don't know, I, I've seen Star Trek, can you teleport the fluid out of my body? Could you work that miracle for me? Um, maybe could you give me like superhuman strength to endure because I, I, I don't think my frail flesh can last. Um, I'm like invoking holy curses. I'm like, like Lord, Lord, make the waves come up and like take them out. Like I, I'm doing all these things. So I'm doing all this and then I am, uh, how do I put it delicately for Sunday morning? I'm feeling this pool of warmth like grow in my, in my, in my lap. And, and it's like every worst 
nightmare of a seventh grader has come vividly true in my life. So instead of doing something sensible, like, I don't know, like putting my towel on my lap, or, or trying to like, like maneuver carefully over the edge and being like, I'm a cool kid jumping over the, like the, or something. Instead, like a maniac, I stand up straight, yell, stop the boat. And I do this perfect swan dive off the boat with this like crystal trail following me. The rest of the trip, the, all the boys just called me Old Faithful. Like, hey, Old Faithful. Like they're, they're, like they're telling, at my expense, they're telling the story over and over and over again. And I learned fully that day that God does not answer every prayer, right? <laughs> you can go to God with your prayers and petitions, and it's not every time he's going to be like, yep, I got you. Uh, so th there, there wasn't a surprise ending where, like, because I did something different and the junior hires are weird, like, I, got, I gained rapport. No, it was just a rough time, and I got teased a lot. Um, and so, um, next slide. Uh, the works of the flesh are obvious. Jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, and envy. But the fruit of the Spirit's joy, kind, peace, kindness, especially when things are tough. Because it was tough as a boy to take that teasing with grace, right? Um, I, was, I, I, I was jealous of everybody who wasn't me that day, and really for the rest of that trip. Um, and I had to go to God, like, how do I not be angry at these people that are just, I, I, I know I made a mistake, but like, do I deserve this? How do I avoid, you know, as an immature young man, taking it out on everybody? And by the way, for this message, uh, I'm deliberately going to just highlight the sins in the passage that are, are most commonly excuse things like getting angry at the people who obviously deserve it, and the things that are easiest to hide, like envy. Um, I think at a Baptist church, we're pretty convinced to avoid lustful pleasures, idolatry, and sorcery, and that sort of thing. Um, but you might be wondering why I started with a low-brow, embarrassing story about myself, and it's one because I, after it happened, I knew I'd never live it down, so might as well spread the word, and hopefully you enjoyed it for a little bit, gave you some, some had some fun. Uh, but also, it's just going to get more serious, because that's what I do. I'm this morose academic, so even my stories are going to be like, hmm. So I just figured we needed some levity to start it off. Um, but also, it just illustrates my big main point. But before I put the point up, I'll just read the whole passage again. Um, and I like how the New Living Translation puts it. Uh, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, and as I've said before, that if anyone living that sort of life, will, anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. So the main point is God's work in our lives primarily changes our character not our circumstances. Because the works of the flesh are all used to shape this world according to our own will, basically. If you look at them, they're all tools 
or defense mechanisms that we employ to preserve things that make us feel good, to keep us safe, and to separate us from things that might harm us. There are normal things that normal people do, right? If, uh, if someone hurts you or maybe might hurt you, you're going to distance them, put them in another faction. If someone else has it better than us, we want to have that too. We're going to be envious, we're going to be jealous. If life is too hard, maybe you'll go through a, through a, you go to a wild party, try to forget it, drown it in some substance-fueled indulgence. But patience and kindness and gentleness, you know, good luck in a high-powered worldly board meeting with those qualities. Kindness and self-control, well, people are going to walk all over you if you don't fight fire with fire, right? What about joy and peace? Like, in this economy? Like, <laughs> this life's unsettled enough. What you have today might be gone tomorrow. So maybe we need faith that there's eternal life in order to grow that fruit. It's almost like the Spirit in the fruit of the Spirit, is building up qualities that we need to endure difficulty in this life. It's like it's building up our ability to love the unlovable, not to remove difficulty, keep love to ourselves, or find worldly success. So maybe another way to put it is that when we walk with God, the Spirit of God will always grow our character and will occasionally work miracles in our circumstances, in both cases to make this world more like heaven. So big application of this main point is simply when we pray for God to work in our lives, let's primarily seek change in our hearts and secondarily seek change in our situation. Um, that's kind of my main point. If you want to fall asleep or whatever, do that. Um, but, uh, but to help it sink in, God's love should flow through us, not just to us. And are we praying like that's true? Um, or, you know, so when we pray, are we praying for changed hearts first, right? Or are we asking for, you know, health, wealth, safety, or comfort to, I guess, accommodate or avoid any challenge to our broken characters? Um, now, I, I'm not going to say, I don't think there's anything wrong with seventh grade Thomas, like asking for a miracle out in the lake. I mean, God can do it. It's not like he is incapable of saving me from that embarrassment. Uh, and of course, we're, we're over and over again in the broad stream of scripture uh, encouraged to ask for God's goodness and blessing because our good heavenly father desires to pour out good gifts to his children, right? Um, so yeah, let's continue to ask for blessing, for healing, protection, restoration. Let's pray for rain uh, and for PG&E to get the power back on when, it, when the power goes out. Um, let's pray for doctors to have stable hands, for our legal system to operate with wisdom and justice. Um, Pray for good times with your, uh, with your family during Thanksgiving and gatherings. Uh, I'm going to pray for my knee every time I play tennis so it doesn't go out. I mean, like, there, there, are, there are things in life that I think it's totally correct. God is the giver of all good things, right? However, if our broken world is going to look more like heaven, right? Like where God's will is done, not our will. It's going to look mostly, it's going to happen mostly through peace and patience and gentleness in the hearts of those who walk with Christ. And less through our kids being miraculously less demanding some afternoon, right? Um, it's going to be less of our parents all of a sudden being like super apologetic and charitable about things you disagree with them about. It's going to be less about getting more money or people magically agreeing with you about some divisive topic. Uh, when Peter was asked by Jesus to walk on the water. He never taught Peter how to calm the storm, right? So maybe seeking first the kingdom of heaven 
means learning to follow Christ in the middle of a broken world as opposed to somehow fixing our immediate circumstances. So, okay, may, maybe junior high story wasn't enough. Let's, uh, let's uh, give, give something a little heavier, a little bit more applicable here. So, it's February 2nd, 2002. I'm 16 years old. Um, you know, the, the year when you make your best and most wise decisions, you know. Um, and I'm on a snowboarding trip with my best friend, Jeremy. He attends here. He played piano. He did great. Um, it was just something we did a lot. So we were, like, actually really good at snowboarding. Like, not going to lie, it was, I, we, were, we were really good. Not, not Olympic level. So if you saw a video of us, you'd be like, no, you suck. But I thought we were great. Um, and for Christmas, I had some awesome new snowboarding boots. I thought I was fly. I had new pants. I was, I was so excited about this trip, right? And uh, I wanted to go do what I love with my friend, which is finding the biggest ramps and the biggest cliffs and jumping off of them, right? Like, that's what I love to do. So the morning that we get there, we head straight for the park, which if you don't know what the park is, it's a, it's a death trap. It's a condensed collection of everything fun and dangerous for a snowboard. It's just a bunch of jumps all in one place. Um, but we, we get a chairlift, we see it's closed. And we're like, ah, oh, bummer. But someone said, hey, it's going to open later in the day. So we're like, cool, 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 that's fine. We'll do the second best thing, which is cruise. Um, so we take off cruising. Um, still having fun, though not as much as we wanted. Um, and eventually, we're riding the chairlift, up, the chairlift up, and we see people in the park. We notice people are doing it. So we're like, sweet, this is going to be great. Um, and I noticed specifically that on the last jump of the park, everyone's going up and landing on the flat. And if you're unfamiliar with snowboard jump uh, structure, there's typically the main ramp, then this kind of flat section, and then a lander. And the idea is that you build a proper jump, so you go up, you're like, yeah, I'm in the air, and then you land on the lander properly so that you absorb that impact of gravity. Um, and I assumed, because everyone was hitting the flat, that it wasn't quite constructed properly, and that the answer was just to hit it fast, just go as fast as possible. So I make a line for the jump from the top, no speed checks. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm heading down. I think I hear Jeremy saying something. I ignore him because he doesn't know anything about snowboarding. I'm better than him. And uh, he was telling me to slow down, but whatever. Um, I approach the jump. I launch. It's a glorious feeling. I'm like suspended in the air in that crisp uh, mountain environment. Um, and I quickly notice that like, the flat is like way behind me. And the, the, the lander of the jump is way behind me. And I, I see, I'm like, I see chairless in front of me, and I'm like, that's not the right angle. Um, I do some quick trigonometry and just realize I'd, I, had, I had gone uh, way too fast and I was way too high. But again, I'm, well, you ever, you ever start taking a video with your phone and then you drop it, right? And you watch the video later and it's like a split second of absolute chaos and then like, poof, like, Time doesn't slow down despite what the movies tell you in accidents, right? It's just like you have a split second and then impact, right? So I, the ground just rushes up. I, I, I'm, I'm normal structure of my body, so I, I land on my feet, but I'm so fast my legs collapse under me, my body collapses, and I hit the ground hard. Um, I tumble, but again, I'm experienced. I've fell before, not a problem. Um, so I pack up, I'm back up on my feet, easy peasy. And then it feels like the mountain just kind of like, turn to its side, boom. Like, I'm like, that's weird. And it seems like the mountain just keeps on tumbling on top of me, right? Like I'm, I'm just like kind of spinning, but like the mountain spinning around me, it was very chaotic. 
And I notice that I can't close my jaw. Like, I'm like, something stuck in my mouth. Did I, did I eat something on the ground? Um, and then all of a sudden, just like overwhelming pain explodes in my head. And I'm just, I start screaming. And I didn't have full control over my limbs. I'm kicking. And some, everything kind of fuzzy now. I think, I think Jeremy tried to talk to me about something. I don't know. But what felt like both forever and immediately, I'm being strapped onto this sled, um, taken down to the infirmary. And, uh, you know, the worst part was, is while they're doing their tests, they're like, you know, the medics are doing their thing, and they start cutting off my snowboard pants. I am just so upset. I'm like, why are you cutting off my, these are my new snowboarding pants. Uh, they're, they're my precious Christmas. And so that's the kind of mind, the state of my mind I'm in, right? Um, 16-year-olds, what can you do? And finally, I think I hear this helicopter, and they give me my, uh, they, they sedate me, and everything goes black. Pause. Um, tell another story. We'll jump back a few years so that this next bit makes more sense. Um, so let's go back to when I'm like eight or nine, basically the same age my son is now. And at the time, I was really into marbles. Um, I had these modular tracks, maybe if you remember, you you'd put the marble in and go, dunk, 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 and I would do that for like hours like, like a crazy kid. Um, but more than that, I actually just loved the transparent marbles that had like stuff inside, you know, like swirls, sparkles. Like I would like put them up to the light and just like look at them, like like they were like little like, my own little like universes, and like I was super enamored with them. And kind uh, kind of like a you, know, you ever seen Lord of the Rings? Like Peregrine Took, he goes at night and he takes that big marble from the wizard, and then like the dark wizard talks through him. Okay, not as many Lord of the Rings fan. I have like a few more references, so get ready. Um, <laughs> um, anyway, the, the, the Palantir. Uh, so I had a small bag of my favorite marbles like that that had a drawstring on it. And I would wear it around my neck with my precious like Frodo. Again, it's, it's fine if you're not a Lord of the Rings person. Um, and I, it, was, it was like my own, my precious. And so one night, um, my dad, again, this is part of the story where I was not aware of, but I've heard from him. He's here, so you can ask him later if you want all the details. Uh, he, he's generally a light sleeper. He, he, checks on, he would check on us all the time growing up. And uh, he wakes up, and from what I've heard, you know, he's, he's prompted, given a sense that God wanted him to check on his kids, check on his son. Um, so again, I'm, I'm unconscious. I'm just doing what sleeping children do. Um, but he checks on my room. He notices that my face isn't the right color. I'm not breathing. And uh, there's a, this cord around my neck. Um, and what happened was is that my precious, I had gone to bed with it around my neck, and I'm like an active sleeper. So it gets cinched and cinched, and I suffocate myself. And, uh, you know, I'm here, by the way. I'm, I'm still alive. <laughs> um, so my dad loosens the drawstring, uh, makes sure I'm breathing okay. I, I don't remember that part, probably the oxygen loss. Um, and I'm sure after that we instituted safe string practices in the home. Uh, <laughs> And I know thanks to this story, my kids, their room is, is stringless. No strings allowed. Um, like, literally, my son is super into string tricks right now, and we're like, that's not going in your room. That's a living room toy. Uh, and and like, like any loving parents, my parents, like every day of their kid's life, they've been praying for our safety, right? Um, to keep us from danger outside the home, keep us from danger within the home. And it's really cool when God uses... Um, our, 
ourselves to, to answer our own prayers. That's really neat when God comes through with deliverance, with, with, with blessing. And so, yeah, I'm alive today thanks to God using my dad to save me from my own stupidity, which is great and awesome. However, back to snowboarding. While I'm unconscious, I was airlifted to a neurological trauma center. And even though I was wearing a helmet, trying to be, you know, safe, you know, I didn't want to because it's not cool. But I was like, okay, it's important. Your brain is something worth saving. Um, and even though I was wearing the helmet, the impact through my jaw as I hit the ground was enough to rattle my brain, cause like a double contusion. So I have big bruises on the top, back, and bottom front of my brain. Um, and that was what was causing the strange muscle spasms, what made them extra concerned. And when I hit, also my jaw had snapped under the impact on the ground. So I just, you know, my, my joint back here just, you know, that, that was broken clean. Um, so I'm bruised, I'm swollen. I'm looking like an orc from Lord of the Rings, you know, that movie that I, <laughs> sorry, no more anymore. This is, I, I got to read the room. Uh, my parents get the call with the worst kind of information about your kid, which is very serious and incredibly vague, saying, hey, your kid got in a snowboarding accident, doesn't look good, get to this hospital ASAP. So bad vibes, right? Um, they have a friend who happens to have a plane. They get flown uh, close to the hospital, and they show up. So again, picture the scene. They walk, and they see me, and my face is in the right color. And there's medical cords and tubes, machines beeping, not quite breathing right. But there's no strings they can loosen to help. There's no cords to untangle. Now, I don't know if my dad thought of nine-year-old me with my marbles at that moment. And it's not like my parents stopped praying for me after that marbles incident. And it was like, hey, you saved him. He's good now. Um, but the, the point is, is what do you do when it seems like God didn't come through, when it was important? And you're powerless to make things better when life just hits you with an, with an uppercut that you can't be prepared for. Well, the works of flesh are obvious. Your jealousy, outbursts of anger, dissension, and envy. The fruit of the spirits, love, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I know the natural and normal thing to do in a situation like that would be to get angry and very demanding, to make sure that anyone who's, who's at blame gets held responsible, pays the price. Or, or or maybe the opposite direction, try to find escape at the bottom of a bottle or obsess over how much harder it is for you compared to other people and let that power of pride and jealousy combat the real and present pain. And again, I was, I was knocked out cold. I can't tell you how my parents behaved. They can tell their own story and say they were angels. I don't, I don't know. Um, but, but I do know how they treated me afterwards, right? Because I obviously got better. I'm, I'm here. I'm not... I'm not, I, didn't, I didn't die in the hospital. But the recovery was long and difficult. Like, I'm still not 100%, like, decades later. Um, I remember waking up in that trauma center, and they're just glad to see me alive, right? We get home, and they arrange the doctor visits and the, all the medical tests and figure out things with the school as I'm missing days and assignments. And um, we joke about how much we think the, the helicopter ride is going to cost through insurance. I mean, like, we're, we're, my parents are making light of it with me because for about nine weeks, I have a surgery. I'm, I'm, my jaw's wired shut. 
Uh, I lived on tomato soup and jamba juice. I had a pair of scissors, like the, these medical scissors around my neck, like the opposite version of my precious marbles, but they were designed to set free in case my airway was blocked. I had to cut myself loose. Luckily, never had to do that, which was nice. Um, but to this day, because of how my jaw broke, my, my muscles constantly pull up and to the left, so I have regular discomfort. Um, and it was really bad you know, during those first initial years too. Uh, for, for many months, I had severe and intense vertigo. So I'd kind of like walk around the house slowly and like touch the walls to make sure I didn't like fall over. I would fall out of my, I fell out of the shower at least once just cause like the second I close my eyes, I have no sense of balance. Um, anything I read was just like, all, almost, I could barely retain any information. I, and, and I was a straight A student. So it was just like the best parts of me were broken. Um, I remember having a, around five different seizure events where my muscles just stopped working and I couldn't speak, so I'd kind of just be in my room and I'd collapse and then I couldn't tell anyone because I couldn't articulate anything. So it was, I mean, as months were on, like, I had the thought every once in a while, like, is this, is this as far as I'll recover? Is this as good as it's going to get? Like, and, and I reading the scriptures, it's like, hey, Job, he gets his fortune back but like his kids stay dead. Like what are the long-term consequences of what I went through? Um, I, I know, I'm, I'm sure my mom would wonder every once in a while, like why well, I sat there like in this kind of like strange, almost catatonic state, like is, is this my son now? Like will he get a job? Like what's, what's gonna happen in the future, right? Um, scary times. And, and the worst part about it all is in my like active thinking moments, all I wanted to do was go back and snowboard again. So I was just a royal, you know, I was, I was not a smart child. That was the boy my parents had to put up with. And, and I struggled with bitterness and anger at myself and my own stupidity. And my parents had to decide on a daily basis, do we need to knock this kid down a rung, right? Like, do we need to remind him daily about how this was all his fault? Because it was, it was all my fault. Um, or do you show kindness and patience to a boy who is hurting? broken and immature. And, and maybe it's because my memory wasn't working very well back then, but I, from what I remember, I'm really thankful that my parents treated me with the love of God instead of the work for, works of the flesh. You know, they, they were willing to patiently take care of me despite how dumb I was. And even though I'm their child, that kind of love doesn't grow overnight, right? It comes from a consistent seeking of God's will in our lives. It comes from a life modeled after Christ in the garden that Grant talked about last week. That says, not my will, but God's will be done. And to be clear, we, we live in a broken world with all sorts of things that need fixing, right? And there's so many times we really should call on God to save us, but, but there's no formula to predict or to control how God works in our circumstances, right? Sometimes we're fully healed, we're, we're kept safe or miraculously taken care of. Sometimes we're given partial restoration. Um, sometimes, from our perspective, God's not at work at all. It's just life sucked and it happened. And then we have these real consequences and lasting scars that we're dealing with. Um, there's an artist that I really love, um, a musician, Sufjan Stevens. He, very, writes these kind of poetic story type songs. And he's a song basically about a boy who loves a girl who dies of an illness. And it talks about how it feels to, uh, even for someone who believes in Jesus. Um, and there's two lines. One Tuesday night at the Bible study, we lift our hands and pray over your body, but nothing ever happens. And at the end he says, oh, the glory when he took our place. 
but he took my shoulders and he shook my face and he takes and he takes and he takes. And sometimes it's the dark times of life that reveal if we have these hidden beliefs that we, th- we think like maybe once I show God enough faith, maybe after I do the Christian thing enough, he'll give us like a free pass out of earthly suffering. But, but how can we have true peace if we expect, even in some hidden secret parts of our being, that, that things are going to work out according to our plans and desires, right? How can we be truly joyful while we're in fear that our earthly things will be taken away, right? Now, I don't know how to untangle the age-old problem of why specific bad things happen. Um, no idea. Um, there's always a tension between our belief that God wants to bring life in abundance and the reality that the kingdom of sin and death is still here. Um, but I do know that the world needs more people who love through pain rather than pass it along. Um, my dad always told me growing up that hurt people hurt people. Um, but when we follow Christ, we learn to love our enemies and bless those who curse us, forgive those who do us harm, and endure the unfair storms of this life with grace. Um, we become God's good and heavenly presence here in a broken world. Um, I said I was only going to do uh, three stories, but you know, I'm like, I like shopping at Costco and you get more for the same price, so I have a fourth bonus story. Um, and this is a... Uh, while I was in college, um, my grandfather was nearing the end of his life. Um, he died in his early 90s. And uh, our family was visiting him, knowing it was probably the last time we'd speak with him. And he set up on a bed in his living room, uh, and we're taking tur- uh, tricking turns, like kind of just sitting there, talking with him. And for context, I was never really close with my grandpa. Um, he was... Um, he was a complicated man um, from, from my experience with him growing up. He was kind of a hard man in many ways. So I honestly didn't have much to talk with him about, which was kind of rough. Um, and at this point in his life, Papa was on this kind of mental feedback loop because things are kind of turning off. Um, and every few minutes he'd reset in, in an almost comical way, but um, every few minutes he'd be like, he need to know where he was, where his wife was, who was I, uh, what's going on? Um, and after coming back up to speed, uh, realizing, oh, it's Thomas that he's speaking with, his grandson who is studying theology and philosophy in college, he would return to the same question. I pro- probably as I sat with him, I probably heard this question maybe a dozen times. And that question to me, for whatever reason, was, why won't God let me die? And gosh, I didn't have an answer then. No matter how many times he asked it, I still don't have an answer now. Um, it's kind of a rough question to be asked. Um, but back then in that moment and, and now today when I think about it, another song pops into my head, which is by Jars of Clay. It's a song called Worlds Apart. And there's a line that just simply says, to rid myself of all but love to give and die. And I'm not trying to put down my grandfather. Like, I don't mean to make light of the difficulty of um, facing the very last days of your life as your body and brain deteriorate. Um, I do believe he was saved. I believe he knew Jesus. Um, I believe he's with Jesus now. Um, and maybe I just caught him on an extra bad day. I don't know. Uh, 
But from my perspective, seeing him, it, it really seemed like fear was all that was left at the end of his life. And I decided back then, and, and it's something I, I return to regularly now, um, that I want everything that isn't from the Spirit of God removed so that when my brain and body on our, their, on our, are on their last day, um, all my soul has left is love and peace and joy, right? Because the works of flesh, hostility, quarreling, division, bitterness, comes from fear, comes from a lack of faith, comes from a place where you really are so scared to lose the things of this world. But it's natural to have peace in this life when we truly believe in life after death. Kindness is intuitive when we truly believe that others are more important than ourselves. And it's easy to be patient when our most important goal is to love our neighbor. If we see ourselves as a, as a conduit for God's heavenly love, we'll grow in self-control. We, living out of control prevents us from passing on God's love to our neighbor. And when we love our enemies the way Christ loved us when we were still his enemy. There's no room for wrath and anger. So let's uh, grow, the spruit, grow the fruit of the Spirit in us so that we are saturated with them. Let's prayerfully invite God's Spirit to work in us so that we bring that fruit into every hurting and broken situation instead of just hoping for the situation to stop. So that when, eventually for all of us, our youth, our accomplishments, our money, our intellect, and all our earthly power are finally stripped away, the remaining feedback loop that plays till our dying breath is one of joy and kindness and goodness. So let's walk in step with the Spirit, growing in God's love, peace, and joy. Will you pray with me? God, may your love and joy and peace and all your goodness grow in us today and forever. Let's stand firm in your Spirit through the pain and difficulty of life. And let us bring your light and love to everyone we meet. In your name we pray. Amen.